This is the Amner Martinez Podcast. Welcome to the Amner Martinez Podcast. My name is Amner Martinez, and I will be your host. I am an immigrant from the country of Guatemala, and I've been living in Iowa since 1995. My professional background is in the staffing and recruiting industry, and I have been heavily involved in the local entertainment scene for the last 12 years. In this podcast, I will be sharing conversations with local people in entertainment, business, sports, nonprofits, food, arts, and culture. So stick around for some great conversations. And action. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Amner Martinez podcast. I got my uh, loyal buddy, <laughs> Kenji Nakata, half Mexican, half Japanese, half Pokemon. <laughs> and we got Amner, half person, half dickweed. <laughs> A little bit. So I spoke with Kenya Seron, a young uh successful uh professional here uh latina salvadorian immigrant an activist a militant a feminist uh daca recipient so all that shapes her shapes who she is and um she has an excellent um blog called coffee with kenya.com so everybody should go and check it out she has an excellent um she writes really good posts um we talked about a lot of things. We talked about activism, uh, the pros and cons, uh, the pros and cons about activism, the disappointments that comes with being an activist. She, conf- she, she. W- when when I say that she's a self-described militant, um, she kind of confronted uh, a lot of the uh, presidential candidates. Candidates back in 2016. Um, back in 2016, Trump, Hillary. So sh- we go into detail on. You know, her experiences uh, and her style and her approach at that time, she was young and she was just kind of, you know, very passionate and uh, kind of like guerrilla style, mm-hmm. mi- militant style mm-hmm. that um, I feel like it's needed. You know, somebody has to do it, but it got to her and, it, you know, it, it, she became, she felt like a bad activist at one point in which she writes this on her blog, on her blog. She mm-hmm. writes, there's one called Bad Activism. There's one that she dedicates to her mom. She talks about her college experience. She gets advice to new college kids, um, undocumented kids. So it's an excellent uh, blog that uh, people should check out. You know, she's also a feminist. We talked about, you know, she's like, you know, women wanting a, a chair on um, on the table. Um, she's like, we can create our own table. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, definitely somebody that has a bright future. Um, and has uh, a lot of goals set in her life, and she's already done so much. So, um, coffeewithkenya.com is her blog post. I think this is another excellent episode. Nice. It's a different kind of approach. Not approach. It's a different. It was a different conversation because I've talked to people that are, you know, in different stages of their life, like business owners and you know, musicians. Mm-hmm. She's way younger than I am, but she has done already so much. So she's experienced so much. That's because uh, you were a fucking idiot when you were 25. Yes. I think, yeah, like, <laughs> I just looking back, like, for myself. Yeah. And I see kids nowadays, you know, be like 22, 23. And I'm like, wow, man, these people have, like, there is dimension to their, you know, the, the, their view of yeah. things. And I was like, man, I was a fucking idiot yeah when i was 22 yeah. like yeah like a real piece of shit yeah so yeah it's nice to see people then i think that you're right i think that when we were 25 we were idiots like yeah. i had no idea what i was like i was lost yeah, like i was dude. lost soul when i was 21 and you know there's young kids yeah, that we didn't we even know. care we yeah. didn't even care yeah. like, we didn't even watch like the news yeah. like we didn't even yeah. care but you know i can see how like now like as far as like everything that we've done in this podcast, how this one, you know, it's a little bit more personal to us mm-hmm. because, you know, it's like a lot closer to home, you know, to us, right. it's an issue that is important. Right. We all have like, you know, one family member 
that is in peril of being, you know, be taken away. Right. So, yeah, this a to me it's a very personal thing. So I think it's it, it's an important one. Yeah. And it's also interesting. You yeah. Know, that you don't have to, you know, share the uh, the same experience, but but it's also you know an eye opening um, conversation to have. Yeah, and she definitely people. has her point of view, and she's and she's talked the talk and walked the walk. So that's why I think. Um, it's going to be a very interesting conversation for people to listen to. So check it out. Check out her blog. It's Coffee with Kenya. And this is episode nine on the Emner Martinez a podcast. And you're a stupid bitch. <laughs> God, almost 40, man. <laughs> you stupid bitch. So... Tell me about this chicken fear. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the we'll get to the good stuff, but this is the chicken fear. Okay, so you, the cat came up to you and you like froze. <laughs> Literally, I I saw fear in your eyes. <laughs> What's that about? Uh, so what? I'm the oldest, and my mm-hmm. little brother was just learning how to walk, and we were in un canton. That's uh-huh. what they call it, like a farm place. Uh huh in El Salvador uh-huh. and I don't know why we were there but I just remember there's like 10 chickens running around <laughs> and like three dogs and so I think my brother just got excited and uh-huh. started running uh-huh. and that was the first time I had ever seen him run so he was a little bit over a year how old were you I think I was three so I don't know if I'm making it up or like <laughs> but I know I remember so he starts well the to trauma run. is that the it, trauma the is definitely there, there. Yes, so yes, something yes, yes. happened <laughs> So then he starts to run. So I start running it after him. Yeah. And have you ever seen those videos on Facebook of like little kids getting yeah, chased yeah, yeah. by chickens? Exactly. Like That's that. exactly how it was. But you add like three dogs into the mix. So. Oh, so this was like all the farm animals. Oh, yeah. It was were. like the Noah's Ark <laughs> type of thing. And so they're all running again, like after us. And I think at one point, like David fell. And they started pecking at him. But then my mom came and grabbed him. Uh-huh. But no one grabbed me. <laughs> so I just stayed there. So for the longest time, we've been scared really? of chickens, um, turkeys, <laughs> dogs. And I don't know how cats got into the mix, but yeah, we're scared of cats. <laughs> you're scared of like very average. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, in El Salvador, like people don't really keep like pets I remember, around. <clears throat> I remember in Guatemala dogs are like loose you know like yeah they're in the yeah, streets yeah, yeah. you give them like um, it's bones to go visit my brother my older brother um it was like like a mission mm-hmm. you know like we had to strategize because we knew where the dogs were <laughs> so and like dogs are not on a leash so yeah. and the owners that's why they have the dogs like that's literally the purpose um we would call my brother like okay we're coming so open the door <laughs> So we would look <laughs> at the dog, and I mean, it was always like this close, you know, like he would be right behind us. As soon as we get in the door, oh boom, I was on the door, and the dog's like outside, like, like, Jesus. That's how it was. I mean, I got rid of my fear of dogs, I think, for the most part. Okay. Um, I still can't be around chickens. <laughs> I don't trust chickens. <laughs> and cats, I, you know, like, That's you don't ever know with cats. So thank you for coming and and doing this. I was reading about you Mm -hmm. and I was reading your blog. So you have a blog. It's called Coffee. Coffee with Kenya. Coffee with Kenya dot com. And, you know, you have different. um, What do you call them? Posts? Yeah. Posts. Okay. So you have a few of them, but um, I couldn't help but to see that a lot of it has to do with your um you being an immigrant mm-hmm. you're from el salvador you're a daca recipient correct so that has shaped a lot of your point of views i read one of those posts well not one actually i read like uh, three or four of them but the one that I, that stood out to me the most was the uh bad activist <laughs> yes okay which because um we all get to that point at sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about that, about that post and that that moment in time for you. Yeah. So, so uh, me, my identity as an immigrant has 
like you said, shape me into the woman that I am today. Mm-hmm. And so being an immigrant for me means a great deal of joy, a great deal of um, overcoming obstacles and seeing my parents be proud of the stuff that I've done. Mm-hmm. But it also means that I've gone through some, uh, just I've had to overcome things that I don't think um, children or teenagers should really have to experience for them to be a strong person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've, I've had, I've been fortunate to not go through any of those obstacles by myself. I have my siblings who I'm really close with. Mm-hmm. My parents were, we're a very close family. And, and because I'm the oldest for me, it, it was, if I don't figure out how to go to college, if I don't figure out how to get a good paying job, then my family will suffer. Mm-hmm. And so I had to get really creative and because so many doors opened up for me, mm-hmm. I felt like I needed to, to open those doors for other people. Mm-hmm. So I felt a sense of responsibility. Sure. And I, and that's when I really became known under this title of an activist. So for a very long time, I feared being labeled as that or as being seen as that because mm-hmm. I was so young. I had just graduated high school. Um, I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I wanted uh, to help other undocumented s- students mm-hmm. like me. And everything that I feared about activism happened. Mm-hmm. So my blog post, Bad Activist. Uh, when did you write that? When did I write that? Yeah. Uh, I think it was early year, early this year. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I like to reflect a lot on my decisions because I, I don't think that I make the right decisions all the time, <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And I fear people that do think that they do the right thing all the time. And so because I didn't have training because i because i don't think i was advised very well uh-huh. as my activism um grew uh-huh. i think i made a lot of mistakes okay. and um i think you know I, I think i did a lot of great things while i was very active but i realized that activism can also consume you right you don't have people around you letting you know look maybe your decision wasn't the best one, or maybe you yeah. didn't say this the way that you should have said this because at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, we become, we, I don't want to say we speak for an entire community, but we certainly represent, we become, right. you know, like the face of a movement. Uh, so whether we like it or not, we become, uh, yeah, a repre- we become a representative of yeah. a certain community and, um, I think so one of the examples that I that I gave in my blog was the uh, this idea that you become under scrutiny so mm-hmm. I, I felt like for a very long time people who were probably 10 15 years older than me didn't mm-hmm. allow me to have an opinion on things sure. because they felt like I was betraying them or I just didn't know any better because of my age and that really it hurt me and it yeah. it made me very bitter yeah with people who who could have just had a conversation with me yeah and because i became bitter i became very destructive towards others because yeah. i was angry yeah um i was angry that i didn't ask to be put in this position or i didn't ask for mm-hmm. this responsibility and so i became a i became a bad activist and i think <coughs> that our community leaders don't talk about their mistakes enough. Right. Yeah. Because they just, they have gained um, a certain level of respect among the community. So I think we need to do that more. With activism, it's really easy to be consumed with the self-promotion that you get. Yeah. It's exhausting. It's exhausting, but it also benefits you. I can't tell you just because I was an activist or um, because people knew me, how many doors were opened for me, yeah. how many um, how many opportunities I got asked to to attend a really cool event just because I happened, you know, they just happened to know me. So 
all those things can easily consume you and then you become used to just people praising you and people okay. saying oh you're so great because you're not afraid to speak on a topic yeah and you know i wasn't i was just as important as an undocumented immigrant or a DACA recipient that yeah. didn't speak about their experience yeah like have you talked to other people that had that exhaust like that um uh you know tired like man i'm tired this mm-hmm. is you know have you talked to anybody um, I know I, the reason why I ask is mm-hmm. I'm forgetting her name, but she's always very involved. She's she always has a wrap around her head. Uh, Marlou. Marlou. Yes. yes. I talked to Marlou several months ago briefly. Um, and she mentioned that she like I'm taking a break. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously Laura, my wife uh, and I, we I mean, she's more involved um, than I am. Um, I think I try to do my activism in a different way. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, there's this level of exhaustion. Like the, you gotta like either take a break or just mm-hmm. let go for a little bit or pick and choose some of the, uh, events or some of the stuff because it can, you know, it can maybe put you in a, uh, maybe a, a nervous kind of breakdown or, or right. mental breakdown. Yeah, and I burnt out really bad um, my sophomore year of college. Mm-hmm. And that had that was, I want to say that was around the caucus, the last Iowa the caucus. 2016. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now that I think about it, that happens to us. And I, can, I guess I can't speak for everybody else, but I think that happened to me because I felt like I felt into this idea that I was some sort of savior. Uh That if I didn't attend this event, then no one was going to speak about this issue. Yeah. And that's unhealthy. And we do that to ourselves because instead of thinking that we have to do it all, Mm -hmm. we can just say, well, if I'm not there, that's okay. And Mm -hmm. be proactive. It doesn't, we don't have to get to that burnt out place for us to learn that lesson. So part of your art, part of that post that, or um, that blog post that you have, that activist, I read a piece that said that, you know, the number of people that showed up to some of the events, some of them were very little, mm-hmm. um, like five years ago or six years ago. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was incarcerated for like, because of immigration mm-hmm. uh, issues. Anyways, I got out um, and then somebody asked me to write a speech. Um to steve king one of those times where he was talking shit you know so yeah he's got so many that <laughs> uh but one of those times where he was having a big mouth um and uh yeah i uh, it was uh in front of the Capitol, and um there was probably like i don't know a few people you know like a mm-hmm. hundred people um and then uh i think like a month later uh there was a march um and there was a good size of people, like 300 people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe you were there. Um, well, I don't know how old you were <laughs> five years ago. But how old are you, by the way? 25. Okay. So I was, I was gonna. There. I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we walked through downtown. Anyways, 300 people. And then um, the next weekend, Los Tigres del Norte comes into town. And there's like three fucking thousand people there. Mm-hmm. And I was mad. I was like, what the fuck? Like, how do you want change if you don't go to... You know, which I get it. There's a lot of fear and there's, you know, living in the shadows. So I, after I thought about this months later, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, I get it. But at that moment, I was upset. So I wrote this article <laughs> and I sent it to uh, the guy from El Viento, uh-huh. Sergio. No, actually, I wrote it and I put it on Facebook and he was like, can I, oh, can can you I publish print it? it? Yeah. I was like, sure. Um, and yeah, sometimes you, you, you are so... Um, Everything is behind this, right? And then the disappointment mm-hmm. can make you a bad activist. So, you know, kind of what you're saying. Yeah. That you you get mad at uh, the pe- well, I in my case, I got mad at the people that I was trying to speak for. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, well, what the fuck, you gotta show up. So I was almost thinking about like, we're gonna trade people. We're just gonna throw up a concert. We're gonna bring a band, <laughs> and then and they were like, market it like if it's a a music thing. Yeah. And then be like, psych, this is actually a rally or something. Yeah. And yeah, and I think it's interesting that you 
that you took it from that perspective because I, I think five years ago around that time, I was upset at people who had the power to make a difference, people who mm -hmm. had the power to advocate for the undocumented community mm -hmm. and they chose not to. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's our own people. Right. I don't know if they've forgotten. I don't know. And I think there's a little bit of that, like forgetting. Um, and um, but yeah, it, there's a sense of duty that um, all immigrants should have. Like somebody spoke for you mm -hmm. when you were not documented, you know, like I'm yeah. assuming that. So we got here in the night, like early 90s, 1990 to be exact. This is the, 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 the um, Nakara and all those uh, um, uh, things that helped us get documents. Mm -hmm. um, s people were speaking out for in the yep. 70s and 80s, you know, so for that to, you know, that didn't just happen. Right. Um, so I think there's a little bit of that. And I think. Um, like responsibility. Yeah. And, and that scares me so much. I'm mm -hmm. starting to see it a little bit more now. Mm -hmm. But it scares me because it makes me think of what happens if someday immigration reforms happens. Mm -hmm. How will our immigrant community feel about the new wave of immigrants? Right. When I wrote that blog, I was thinking more of this new wave of um, activists who mm -hmm. have appeared on social media. And I'm still trying to reconcile. And I think I mentioned that on the blog post. I, I still don't quite understand it. Mm -hmm. How out of nowhere, just because tr just because Trump is president, people care and people mm -hmm. are starting to pay attention. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's even people who have been in it longer than I have. Mm -hmm. How exhausted are they that mm -hmm. they no one ever listened to them? Yeah. 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 And now because <coughs> I wouldn't call it a trend, but it's I guess it's part of the mainstream culture that you should care about mm -hmm. certain causes that you should tweet in support when ever, whenever a tragedy happens. I'm just waiting for actions to go beyond tweets. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're um, like slacktivism where like people just share it and mm -hmm. like it and uh, post it or, you know, but yeah, there's a difference between that and like showing up to a rally, mm -hmm. right? There's so much work that goes behind and it doesn't really, but mentally, um, you got to get ready. You got to have an energy. Mm -hmm. You got to have your posters. You got to have, you know, uh, you got to want to go, Yeah. you know, and then you show up and then there's like th 30 people, you know? Yeah. Oh. And, and the thing is, um, there's so much prep work before a rally mm -hmm. because I think the the rally or direct action is the last resort. Mm -hmm. That's the last thing we're going to get to do mm -hmm. before that. There's ongoing conversations with people in leadership. So roles. you were doing this, mm -hmm. this stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. So your, your level of uh, how involved you were, you were in a different level than, than, you know, like Laura and I, because we'll go to the ones, to the rallies that are already been organized mm -hmm. by other people and, you know, we just go and support. Right. Were you behind the scenes? Behind the scenes, because the rally is, and to, to, to be very honest with you, I don't like rallies. <laughs> okay. And let me tell you why. Sure, yeah, yeah. I don't like rallies because I don't know what the actions after that will be. Right, okay. It has to go beyond uh, posters. It has to go beyond showing up. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean immigrants. Mm -hmm. I mean people who have the power to influence yeah. leaders. So people so are fucking lazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you have lazy. to realize. You know, like there's mm -hmm. a laziness that comes with just being a human, you know. Just yeah. And then you got to care about that issue. Yeah. And then you got to go through the logistics of like, you know, putting in your I mean, being an activist is not easy. Oh, it's you not. Know, it's fucking hard. And I'm not calling myself an activist, but you are. And I can only imagine how exhausting it would be for you because you, you know, are way deep in there. There's got, but the satisfaction is there, though, right? Like right. still on your blog. I like that you call yourself uh, a feminist, a militant. Uh -huh. I love that. <laughs> uh, so a blogger. So tell me about those, how you, you know, um, those three things that you kind of describe yourself as. Yeah, uh, great question. And... 
so a feminist um i feel like all of the decisions that i make reflect my feminism Mm -hmm. or at least i try to it's kind of hard you know sometimes like i fail we're bad feminists too you know um but a feminist i do believe in in women's in women's rights and i believe that we're not giving the opportunities that we deserve and it's not about asking for these opportunities it's about demanding them yeah because for so long we have been left out of conversations or because for so long we have been violated us and have um, have hurt us and they can hurt us in many different ways by not paying us as much as men Uh make by completely disregarding our safety concerns Mm -hmm. by uh, by physical abuse too and uh, growing up i saw that type of violence against women um in many different forms Uh so i i can't compromise when it comes to women's safety when did you consider yourself uh feminism it happened in college so um, that's when I was introduced to the term um, feminist. Mm-hmm. And to be quite honest, I didn't feel like I belonged in feminist groups. Uh-huh. And often it was because they were very white uh-huh. and their feminism is very different than the issues that I care about yeah. um, or the feminist issues that they emphasize. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in college and in campuses, feminism it's almost elitist. Okay. So they use very, uh, they use terms that I was not aware of. So okay. I was a business student and they would, you know, they would look down upon people that didn't, uh, didn't know what Roe v. Wade was. Okay. And I'm an immigrant. I didn't know what that was for yeah. a very long time. And yeah. I was scared to ask. But you're an expert in immigration. You're like, I yeah. know what you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I, I think it was in, in, in college when I started learning about feminism um what it is what things we should be caring and how to how to live as a feminist and um to give you an idea i have a lot of haters and i don't blame them (laughs) but i i would never i shouldn't say never but i try not to um have my actions uh affect another woman Mm -hmm. so if i know that there's a job opening and I know that my friend and me over there should probably apply. I will put my pride aside and send it to her. Yeah. Because it's not about me winning. It's not about just a select few. It's about all of us. Yeah. Whether we agree on certain things. Except politics. I, I don't <laughs> I don't really mess. I don't really fuck with women. I don't <laughs> believe in the same. It's similar politics than yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, so I have a very radical and militant view okay. and actually I, I i have embraced the word militant yeah um i didn't always uh-huh. know what that was i had never heard that term until yeah. uh, a man called me militant during a meeting okay and so i wasn't even present at that meeting so he actually used to work for drake at the time and it was a community meeting a mentor of mine happened to be in attendance and so she just told him oh yeah like my uh, friend kenya goes to drake and so he goes like oh yeah she's nice but you know it doesn't how do you say it it's not always good to be so militant so he didn't say it in a complimentary oh no he was obviously talking shit yeah and (laughs) and so my mentor was very upset and she came to me she was like kenya i'm sorry but i have something really bad to tell you yeah this guy called you a militant and i was like oh no what is that because i had <laughs> never heard that word in my life yeah, yeah. and so i googled it and you know i thought you know maybe i am militant because yeah. i'm not willing to compromise because yeah. i i just know what i believe in and i i don't care for people who don't agree with them sure and i'm not willing to to engage in an argument just for someone else's entertainment. Yeah. If they don't agree with what I'm saying, then don't, they don't agree with what I'm saying. Yeah. And 
um, it's funny because at my house, I'm always saying how men are trash. <laughs> and my mom, <laughs> I'm so, they are. And <laughs> my I, mom I goes. Notice that I'm not saying anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and my mom always goes like, Ale, like, don't say that. Like, mm. what about your dad? And I'm like, what do you think I'm, why do you think I'm saying that men are trash, mommy? <laughs> he said, but what about your brother? I was like, mommy, have you met my brother? He's trash. <laughs> so you're an equal uh, uh, hater of... Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's about, you know, it's just, it. that's just my, that's just my view. Yeah. And um, again... Do you admit that there's a little bit of, of uh, like, the word militant is... Uh, a little bit, uh, not. I want. I want to use the word extremist, but it does. You said radical, right? Like yes. So, so, but you're comfortable with it. Oh, I'm very comfortable with it. Yeah. And again, I think it comes back to, just the violence that I've yeah. witnessed of women. So anything from domestic violence to, uh, um, maybe seeing women who are in marriages. I think that that's needed. You know, like it's needed. This not tiptoeing around. Like no. your point of view, you know, like this is what I think and these are my, you know, um, this is what supports my point, mm -hmm. you know, and instead of just being like, well, you know, mm, you know, well, like um, we should probably involve men in this conversation too. I think one of the, no. one of the, uh, one of the 20 some, uh, presidential, uh, uh, candidates, um, she's a woman. I don't know what her name is. But she's actually Warren. No, not Warren. Harris. She, maybe, I think. No, 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 not Harris. Uh, Is she blonde? She's white. Blonde. Uh, yes. Oh she's actually gosh. saying pretty, pretty interesting stuff. Yes. But um, and she was in Fox. Gillibrand. Yes. 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 So she was at uh at Fox News interviewed, and then she's like, "Women, uh, we just want a a chair on the table at the table." Uh huh. And then um, Wallace was like, "What about men?" And oh. she's like, they're already there. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> Which is true, you know. It's yeah. uh, And can I just say, in yeah, that idea, when, uh, so this is my, my militant self, I don't think women just want a chair at the table. You want to run it. We can create our own. Yeah. Because the tables that have been created were created to exclude us. Yeah. So for us to continue to say, we need to be there, we need to be in this space, but if at the end of the day we're not going to be supported, and it doesn't make sense for us to be there. Create yeah. your own damn table. Yeah, That's yeah, why yeah. I believe a lot in um, female entrepreneurship and yeah. to, to even add to the mix. I tell my mom, I want to be, if I can't run for Congress someday in the United States uh -huh. because, you know, they have to give me papers first and I don't know if they're going to do that. Uh -huh. um, I tell her that I want to run for president in El Salvador. And my entire cabinet will be of women. Oh, all women. Yeah. And my mom was like, well, you can't do that. <laughs> I was like, like why? Yeah. <laughs> There's been it's cabinets been of just men. men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just to give everybody a background. It's yeah. So milit militant is an adjective. And it means combative and aggressive in support of a political or social cause. Mm -hmm. And typically favor favoring extreme, violent, and confrontational methods. <laughs> So I'm always ready to fight. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, so on your bad activist, you said that you you were going up to presidential candidates and asking them questions mm -hmm. like, uh, are you going to deport me? Uh, oh, yeah. With and Trump. you met Hillary. So was it with Trump? You asked it, Trump that? It, it was with Trump. Um, he had not announced his candidacy yet. Okay. So, I so this was I think two months before he officially announced uh -huh. his candidacy. There were rumors that he said he was going to do something with the wall. Okay. Again, this was like the good times where he was not even in the picture. Where everybody was laughing that he was. Everybody was laughing. And so I'm standing outside this political event hosted by Steve King, uh -huh. and. Um, I was too afraid to go inside. So there was mm -hmm. other um, DACA recipients inside, uh -huh. undocumented folks. And they were going to disrupt it. But that was my first direct action. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay out here because I don't want to get in trouble. Uh -huh. And so it just so happened that all of the presidential candidates were leaving the event. Uh -huh. And so I thought Trump was a joke. Yeah. And so... 
he is a friend of mine. Yeah, he's still a joke. I don't even know who he is. <laughs> um, he, so he, his bus comes around and like all these like people start gathering like to get his signature or whatever. And so um, a friend of mine, a mentor was like, can you just go ask him a question? I was like, why? He's never going to run. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, just go do it, just in case. Yeah. So it's on YouTube. I, I was such a baby. And so I just went up. I didn't know what, what to ask him. So I was like, hey, hey, like tr- like Mr. Trump or whatever. I don't know what I said. I was being respectful. I don't know why. Uh-huh. And then I just asked, like, are you going to deport me? Uh-huh. And then he just said, don't worry, sweetie. Uh, sweetie, you're going to like what I'm going to do for you or something like that. It was uh-huh. something gross like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh. Like, and then a Trump supporter pushed me, so I couldn't keep asking him for anything. Uh-huh. So that was my first experience with direct action. And How did it feel? How did that feel? Um, I, you know what? I wasn't scared because I didn't take him serious. Okay. I yeah, was, nobody did. No, I did feel very nervous with Hillary. That one, I felt like I was going to faint. What did you say to her? So, um, I attended an event at the Des Moines Register. I was trying to find the video again. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, I attended an event to the Des Moines Register. Uh And the media is trash when it comes to immigrant, uh, immigration reporting. Sure, yeah. So, this was a two-hour event. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but like an hour, two hours event. Mm -hmm. Not a single question asked about immigration. Mm, okay. It was their editorial board, and whose editorial? Uh, the Demar the Register. Register. Okay. Not a not a single question, like not one. Yeah. But up to this point, Trump had already been for the last six months talking anti-immigrant rhetoric. Yeah. And so, how are you not going to ask his opponent? Yeah. About it. So, I interrupted the closing remarks, and. Again, without a plan. Okay, so wait. Did what? you watch it? No. <laughs> I thought you watched that one. <laughs> no. So I interrupted the closing remarks. Where are you sitting? In the front? I'm sitting like in the audience. But like 10 rows behind? Like how oh, close? Oh, no, like two. Okay, two, two rows. rows. Yeah. It was like a round table among the editorial board and Hillary in the middle. Uh-huh. And again... I'm really bad with this. I didn't have a plan. I just so so wait. So you're sitting there. They're doing close remarks. You're yeah. you're like, you're thinking to yourself at this one like, uh, like. I had my friend Maria just. Whose idea was it? Was it yours? Um, I can't remember. Maybe it was Maria. Uh-huh. But she said, "Can you get up and ask a question?" So I was she like, knew you had the. the yeah, she kind of knew it. Yeah, yeah. She was like, "I'll record it. You get up and ask a yeah. question," and I said, "Maria, I can't interrupt him or yeah. like something." And then so the. I can't, I, I actually remember his name, but I'm not going to say it. So he's, he likes me now. He didn't like me that moment. Okay. But so he's closing the, the event. Like, thank you everybody so much for coming. This is being live streamed on the tomorrow register website. Uh-huh. So then I'm like, my voice is shaky. Cause yeah. I got up and I said, excuse me, I have a question. Uh-huh. And he was pissed. Uh-huh. He was mad. Cause yeah. the, the audience was told that we couldn't ask any questions. Yeah. And so, Hillary just turns and was like, oh, yeah, go ahead. I was like, fuck, I didn't mm. think this through. I didn't think yeah, they were yeah. going to let I me ask have, a question. Actually, let me think about the question. <laughs> and so then I just said, look, um, I have undocumented family. Yeah. I'm a DACA recipient myself. And I just want to know what's your plan? What are you going to do with us? Yeah. Are you going to deport me and my family? And Oh, so you asked that question to Hillary? Mm-hmm. That was my go-to question. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta have it. Yeah, you gotta yeah. have it because you. I never had a plan. And it's such quick, right? Like it's seconds. So you either have a question that's oh uh, yeah, gonna create some kind of uh, attention. I mean, because that's what it is, right? You want to call attention to that. To yes, and you also want to put a human side to it. Right, 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 right. To just basically say you're gonna deport the person right in front of you. Right. And, um, I wish I could tell you that I know what she said. Yeah. But I don't know because I blacked out. Yeah. Because uh, her security, it's not even security. It's um, what's the security? S- uh, sec- um, secret, secret service. service. Yeah. Yeah. Them motherfuckers were still getting like just ready to tackle me yeah, down. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, they're going to hurt like, me. They're like grabbing you by now. Well, no, they're just kind of like near me. They're kind of close to me because they're like intimidating kind of yeah, right next to like you. Yeah. Like to make sure that I wasn't going to go up yeah. there and hurt her or anything. 
So she gave me a long BS answer. Yeah. And I was like, okay, thank you. But I didn't care what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't get myself to watch that video. Uh, really? Okay. Yeah. And then after that, I, I kind of got like. So you do have a, like a gorilla style kind of yeah, approach yeah, yeah. to this. Oh, yeah. Which is awesome. Like that's. Yeah, that's what I think I just things up, you know, yeah. you can't. Uh, but it's a, it's a little dangerous to be honest right. now it's i don't think i i don't know that i would do it now like getting because kicked you out already of did it though <laughs> <laughs> you Check. Know? yeah 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 like yeah. you've been there done that like yeah you're moving on to uh um, yeah more strategical ways I guess. yes and that's a good way to put it mm -hmm. i don't think when i was younger i was very strategic yeah. in regards to my activism and i wouldn't change it Mm -hmm. Because I learned very valuable lessons, mm -hmm. but I, I wish I could have thought certain things through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So who else did you? So you did. Uh, you approached Trump. Mm -hmm. You interrupted the, the Moines Register editorial, editorial board. board. Yeah. Um, what other ones did you? I think I talked to all of them. Um, <laughs> I, I did. I, I did. Yeah. I talked to Bernie. And my first impression of Bernie was not the best. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, you know, I respect him. Sure. Yeah. I ended up doing a lot of work for the O'Malley campaign. Okay. Um, and, I, I, again, I wouldn't take it back, but I think I wish someone would have advised me a little bit more about uh, campaign involvement. And um, I met great people through that campaign, but I also think that DACA recipients run a risk of being tokenized. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that my personal story should be the one that's being uplifted. I do realize that during my activism, I was tokenized and I didn't know. So, you, so let me understand it. So, so you don't want the successful stories to come out? No. You want this human uh tragic like you want it to be uh, the real like what's real i think there are success stories that don't involve a college degree okay so the stories of the entrepreneur who has three kids who i understand now yeah, what you're saying okay. yeah yeah so it's i thought i thought that you wanted to talk more about the sacrifice or mm. the suffering the human suffering because that can that's that's a harder story i think yeah. to for people because then it's like you don't want to hear all the horrible stuff you know we're we like to block shit off right i think yeah. i think maybe no, we yeah. like to block things off a little bit so but i understand now what you're saying yeah uh, not just a college student. not just the college students because at the end of the day we hold many privileges mm -hmm. and while maybe our journey was extremely hard, it is not representative of the entire DACA slash streamer community. Mm -hmm. Are the DACA college students, though, are they the ones more involved? Because um, I think, I think, and I think that comes back to what we were talking about earlier, that that uh, it's either fear, laziness, or just straight up, like, they want nothing to do with the, mm -hmm. with the process or the what's going on that not a lot of people get involved right so the ones that get involved are passionate kids like you that are in college that are getting you know Good um, question. and at some point you know as long as it's it's getting attention it's mm -hmm. something you know like a lot of celebrities this idiot president they're like no such thing as a bad press mm -hmm. you know um yeah so and so that's a good that's a good point because when I was younger I was upset because more DACA recipients were not involved. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm older, I understand. I understand why they're not involved and nor do they owe me an explanation. Mm -hmm. Because I chose to do this. Yeah. And if they choose to live a life that is of just panic just focusing on what they're doing that's fine that's fine too. i think the responsibility comes down to those that do have the power to make mm -hmm. a difference so those people that can vote 
those people who don't put their lives or family in danger by attending a rally. Um, because you and I, you know, we put ourselves in danger when we attend those events. Yeah. We put our family in danger. Yeah. But we do it because we know we, ha- because it's a, it's our responsibility. Yeah. I wish more U.S. citizens felt that responsibility. Yeah. Laura, yeah. my wife, she went to a Des Moines partnership. Uh, so the Des Moines partnership was having Steve, Steve King after one of those oh many yeah. fucking things that he said, right? And um, she was watching a baby. <laughs> she was what she was babysitting. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but she did tell the mom, "You look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to this. I'm gonna take them. Like we take the kids. Maybe I shouldn't say we. I mean, I've been there, but she takes the kids to a lot of these, you know, rallies, Events, you know, which yeah. is great. Um, so she told the mom, like, I might go to this, um, but maybe she'll tell the story one day, but." It, she said that it got intense. Mm-hmm. Like she was, she got scared there for a second. She's like, "Oh shit, maybe I shouldn't have." Yeah. Come, um, you know, and even though uh, there was, they saw her with this baby, you know, in her yeah. arms. She said that the um, pro Steve King people were like, they, they don't no care. measure. There was they no measure care. of their anti-protest, you know, uh, yeah. or you know, trying to come from like. That's uh, it is scary, you know. Yeah, people can get put in, and that's and that's why sometimes people don't, you know. They have there's many reasons. Laziness is definitely one of them. Yeah. Uh, disillusioned, you know. People get disillusioned. They're just like lost hope, mm-hmm. you know. They're just like whatever happens. Um, and then there's there's fear, you know, like yeah. shit. Um, that whole thing, like living on the shadows, the more the more you know, I process that it's true. Like people are, they go home, they go to work, they go home. And they do, you know, that's they're, they're surviving. Just living. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're surviving. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing. That's the and for me, this is for me too. It's hard to reconcile this. Um, you know, like I have all my nieces and nephews. They are born here. Mm-hmm. They're like anywhere from twenty four, twenty five, to you know, uh, uh, years old. So the one, the there's about five or six of them that are like older than eighteen. Um, they were not affected. Uh, they're not affected. By, so mm-hmm. immigration, they view it differently. Um, but, you know, I try to push them like, dude, um, you wouldn't be born, by the way, if it wasn't yeah. because, you know, and this, you know, I try to break it down for them. But still, it's, it's not, it doesn't connect. And exactly. even though they have like, you know, grandparents and parents that, uh, that were uh, uh, undocumented at one point and had to go through two decades of, mm-hmm. of you know process to get some type of status here you know so yeah. it's just it's there's a uh, psychological emotional disconnection that it's not even done on purpose you know they're just like Shit, i'm just living my life yeah so um but it starts <coughs> it starts when they're young mm-hmm. and i think there's an, a generation that missed out on building that yes awareness yes and that's what scares me about yes. the future yes because i mean I look at you and Laura as parents and you're making your your children very conscious of mm-hmm. the world around them. Right. So we don't shelter them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it takes and it takes parents to be intentional about it. Right. So I feel like there is a generation that lost and they I mean lost that opportunity to build that awareness mm-hmm. and to recognize their own power. Because those are the individuals that have a great deal of power. Well, to be honest, um, my parents were, um, you know, like all of our parents, working two jobs. Like yeah. your parents, you said that they were working two jobs. Um, my parents only had one job, but they would pull double shifts. So it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I was just running around town doing, you know, what every high school kid does in Perry in a small town in Iowa. Oh, yeah. Um, but at that time, the, the the climate was different, though. You know, the the there wasn't this persecution. Yeah, there wasn't this this uh, boldness of you know people that were the, uh, even you know the president that was mm-hmm. you know so talking bad about immigrants and uh, that was his his platform was anti-immigrant. So at that time, it was so the climate had a lot to do with it. Yeah. So I had to get my work permit every year. 
and that was a pain in the ass fucking pain in the ass you know like it's not even a year permit it's like a nine months because before it expires you was have to TPS? send it i don't even know what the fuck it was it was it was a work <laughs> authorization yeah um but my i guess what i'm trying to get to is that i didn't become passionate about him you know about immigration until i was until i got locked up mm-hmm. um i was in jail for like 68 days um and it felt like a fucking eternity once i got out then it was a whole new perce- uh, perception of what immigrants, b- even though I, w- I am one and I was one the entire time, mm-hmm. um, but until it impacted me. And I use this, this um, metaphor or analogy about um, things that uh, when you don't care about something, it's like cancer, right? Like only until it hits you mm-hmm. or it hits somebody that's close relative or somebody that's in your circle, that's when you start to give a fuck about something. Yep. Um, and that's what it took for me to like, be like, holy shit. I mean, I was in there with, you know, 60 plus dudes. Some of them, you know, did crimes that, you know, they're supposed to be in jail. And some of them just like me, I was just like, dude, my lawyer fucked up. She didn't tell me about, um, an appointment that I had. And so it's like contempt of contempt of court, you know? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, sometimes there's a disconnect and it's just, do you think, so because you bring a different perspective, mm-hmm. you bring the perspective of growing up in a small town. And I think about this often. We don't live in places like California where the constant persecution or the violation of our rights is so evident mm-hmm. and prominent because they have years in history of, of human rights movements, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. with farm workers and such. And, and California is just an example. Mm-hmm. But growing up in a small town, do you think that because that wasn't obvious to the community that maybe that's why you weren't aware of it or um, maybe it took a, until it hit you, like you said, to, to right. realize? So I think um, I think that it took a lot of elements, okay. right? uh, a lot of ingredients for me to be. Um, I was aware that I, w- that, I w- that I had a work authorization. I was aware that I had to file um uh once a year um well mostly my dad filed for like it was mm-hmm. like a family package i think i think I, I go back to the environment the climate of the of the of the country at that time okay um it was bill clinton um the economy was was booming um uh you know uh, the the people in perry were not um you know this whole emboldness they were not emboldened racist people were not you know they kept it they kept it you know quiet they kept it under the rug they kept it in the closet they still said hi to you they still said they were civil and that w- and i mean uh, i don't have a, a a bad experience of uh high school you know there was i didn't have to deal with what you had to deal with mm-hmm. or what my niece had to deal with they're very aware now or bella you know yeah. or luca you know, I in the mid nineties um, didn't have to deal with that kind of stuff. So I, I was, I was doing shit that I could have been stuck <laughs> for, like got <laughs> deported. But I was, you know, I had no conscience of like, oh, I'm gonna get in trouble. Yeah. You know, um, it was just work, go to school. So it was a little bit of a different time, and that might be the the reason why there's a bit of a disconnection because. Right. Uh, the environment and the climate wasn't as fucked up as it is now. Mm-hmm. I think now it's harder to be in a, uh, an immigrant yeah. in high school, you know, um, because now it's That's very vivid. Point. You know, it's very vivid. Like it's now, you know, uh, racist people are there. They empowered. have dolls now. Yeah, yeah, they're empowered by the president. So, um, and yeah. that's why you know I used to not think that what the president says matters and it counts, but it does because it. it he, sp- he speaks to people and then they're like, well, he's saying it. So, yeah, fuck you guys. So, <laughs> but we can just be like, fuck you back. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. Which right we back. are. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, uh, so how long have you been like out of the activism? Have you moved? Have you gotten out? Are you kind of taking a break? Are you going to go back in? Like, where are you at right now? So I think I became very involved when I was 19 to six years now. And. I want to say for the last year or so, I I don't know. I don't know what I am. I don't know what I'm in. 
Yeah. I don't think it's a break because I did have to take a break when I burnt out really mm-hmm. bad mm-hmm. Um, in 2016. Um, I think now it's about... I'm trying to be very strategic mm-hmm. into what I put my my energy in. So I wouldn't call it a break. It's just a different approach. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so when I've been burnt out, I've been very honest with people in our community who was used to seeing me in these meetings, city council, um, all these different uh, movements and yeah. involvement. Uh, I've been very honest with them and, and, and told them, look, I have family responsibilities that I have to meet. I say that I have a kid in college, <laughs> my little <laughs> sister, two more years. <laughs> you know, so I, I just think, uh, I think I've learned to prioritize. Yeah. And while my community is still extremely important to me, yeah. one of my top priorities is my family. Are you uh, going to be, I mean, this, the political season is about to ramp up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, is it a little bit addictive? Like you, is it, is oh, that, you like that environment, so right? So addictive. I mean, you were already talking about possibly running in the future, <laughs> so you, there's there's it's something addictive. that you enjoy about it. Yes, there it's addictive, um, because of because of the adrenaline, and I think for me, because in many ways, I'm powerless because I don't have a social security mm-hmm. number. There's certain there's a certain power that i feel when i get to ask a candidate about yeah. their bullshit immigration policy yeah so yeah. there's there's a little bit of that there and again that's my militant self talking yeah um but you know i'm waiting for it for it to get closer yeah. um so we've had a lot of events coming up and um i don't want to attend any of them because i i don't want to be a photo op yeah. Which I have been in the past. Uh-huh. You know, like, oh, look, this candidate met with this streamer. Like, that's yeah, a yeah, cute yeah. tweet. Yeah, you know, they're probably going to tweet. Twit. <laughs> tweet. Tweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think I, I'm waiting for for some of them to, to drop out because it's just a lot of energy. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But it also um, thinking about how do we train the new wave of leaders, too? Because it can't just be two of us. It can't just be three of us that are mm-hmm. doing this all the time. No, we need to be able to train people who want to do this, who want to make it a point to to be to fight for an issue that they care about, and provide them with a with the training that is going to save them a lot of headaches. Yeah, maybe a lot of the headaches that I had to go through and learn hard hard lessons with. Yeah. Um. And actually, before this, I was at a meeting with with a couple of community colleagues, and we will be putting together a, a training for um, for organizing. Okay. And how do we teach people, or how do we empower people to be strategic about their organizing and to focus on the one issue that they're passionate about? Because there's nothing worse than people uh, trying to advocate for an issue that they don't really know yeah. or really care, but they just feel like they have to. Mm-hmm. And so we, my brother, Erica Johnson from AMC, uh, from AFC, American Food Service Committee. Oh my God, I forgot already. <laughs> uh, Vanessa and Maddie, we're going to be putting that together um, for later this summer. Awesome. And um, yeah, we just hope to, to bring to equip our community with tools to yeah. be able f- for them to be able to run movements and to be able to um to make a positive impact with without having to struggle too much yeah mm-hmm. what has been your um most exciting moment like what's the one that you're like this is the moment that i'm gonna take away uh, with from these years of like uh hardcore kind of activism <laughs> <laughs> What's militant. the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The militant. Like what your militant years? My militant uh, years. What's the one where you're like really proud of that you're like this oh, made me? That's a good question. I think I have to go back to my roots. So I didn't start as an activist by asking a question to Trump because I thought he was silly and I was just gonna ask him. I really started by having coffee with undocumented students who wanted to go to college. 
Okay. And um, I used to say that I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be political. I didn't want to do anything in politics. And someone told me, well, Kenya, education is political. Uh-huh. And I was like, shut up, you're lying. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was. And so I think my proudest moment is that six years ago, I, six, five years ago, my activism and my advocacy was a smoke hero trying to put together plans for undocumented students uh-huh. that I would randomly meet. And you don't know how rewarding it is to see some of them. They might not remember me. Yeah. Um, they might vaguely remember what I try to do for them. Maybe they never even looked at the word document that I prepared for them. Yeah. But for them to, to be graduating now and seeing them um, cross that finish line, I think that's the proudest moment. None of the rallies, none of the... Uh, the media attention that I might have gotten because of a certain question yeah. have mattered as much as those intimate conversations that I had five yeah. years ago with, with undocumented students who are now professionals who hopefully they've been able to do the same for someone else. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's really inspiring. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you for what you do. And I know that you'll be doing it in one way or another. La Presidenta uh, del Salvador. La Presidenta someday. del Salvador. You know what, to be honest, I've, t- I've told Laura because we're planning on probably moving to back to Guatemala like in five years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what if I go over there and run for an office, you know? Um, so it's not this, It's not crazy, you know? That's no, it's a, not. That's a, something to never let just kind of put it in yeah. the back burner, you know, put it in the back pocket. But Right. And people know. back home also deserve, people back home also have dreams. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not just the United States. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So well, we'll both be presidents at the same yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll um, have great relationships so with the Coffee with, with Kenya. Yes. You are a professional. You are uh, a great uh, Latina uh, leader. Um, and uh, thank you for coming in. I really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. And I'll let you know when I start my own podcast so you can come. That, please. I have the mic, but I just haven't. <laughs> you just got to do it. I just got to do it yeah, and stop yeah, yeah. thinking so much about it. Yeah, yeah, so. just do it. Um, and it's super fun. Like ev- every time one of them, like every time I'm done with the conversation, I feel this exhilaration uh, when I'm editing it. Um, you know, I hear the conversation over and over and I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> and then when I put it out there, it feels really good, awesome. too. So there's this, the entire process. is really fun. Good. So. Delete so, the part where I didn't know how to say tweet. <laughs> <laughs> so that they don't know. So they don't know. Okay. Thank you so Thank much. You very much. All right. This is like me turning on the the light that says on air. You're on. You're on. So episode nine, I told you, man, it was excellent. Um, Ken is a very brave young professional here in Des Moines. Yeah, that's that's like a lot of balls. Yeah, that's a lot of balls. You know, I don't think I, I wouldn't do that just because I'm always trying to be like very careful with people. You know, it's nerve wracking to just go to these things. You know, and um. Uh, Especially the when there's like, uh, you know, people antagonizing your yes, your uh, and if you think about it, if you remember, like some of those rallies, they can get very dangerous very quickly. Yeah, and um, she has that kind of like guts. Well, at least as she says, her approach is probably gonna change a little bit. I think, but she did it, man. And I mean, it's it's um. It's very admirable when you're that passionate about something um, that you're capable of, like, kind of putting yourself in in, in positions that um, are literally not safe for but yourself. Y- you know, it pays to be young and aware. Yeah. You know, because the older you get, you know, and you're aware, you're always, you know, more cautious. Right. So... Yeah. So you always need that. And I want to thank Kenya for doing that and coming to the podcast. Um, Hopefully she'll come back again uh, and uh, talk to us some more about how she's afraid of cats and dogs. (laughs) 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 It's kind of ironic, right? (laughs) That she don't give a fuck if you're sitting in front of her. But she she says, fuck (laughs) you, dude. Oh, but that cat. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) (laughs) She froze. She froze. When she saw that cat, she was like, 
anyways thank you everybody for listening please share and share it too like share it a lot share give us your feedback we're gonna be posting them here soon on spotify and on apple spotify too i didn't know that yeah why not I don't know. I just didn't know. I'll figure it I'm out. Not we'll saying, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying I, I didn't know. Yeah. That was the plan. <laughs> so I don't know you could do that. I think, yeah. I don't, no, I, yeah. Like, I, don't I know that you Spotify. can. Yeah, I, you can. Yeah. Like, I just listen to, like, I hear hear one commercial. I'm like, fuck this. Yeah. Delete. Yeah. Well, you can. Nice. And so, because some people like Spotify and they don't like SoundCloud. Some people like iTunes. Oh, uh, gotcha. So, cool. yeah. So, thank you, everybody. Episode 9. We'll see you soon.